Welcome to Uncorked, another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. I am Steph Corker, and as we ring in 2019, I am really thrilled to be joined by, I dare I say, a former Vancouverite, Steve Rio. Hi, Steve. Hey, how you doing? I am great. Before we dive into our conversation, I just want to introduce you to Steve in, in a way that's more than, than how I would, because I would tell you that he's a friend and someone who's up to and has done really cool shit here in Vancouver. But beyond that, you are the founder and CEO of BrightWeb, a social impact agency delivering strategy, branding, digital, and more. You also have recently launched The Nature of Work which I'm very excited to dive into with you today, helping people achieve more productivity, creativity, and wellness in their lives. Steve thrives at the intersection of social impact, culture, and technology, and is an expert in exponential organizations, remote and distributed teams, and workforce wellness and performance. Steve spends a great deal of his time these days thinking and writing about technology's impact on society and how we must reconnect with our natural intelligence as technology becomes more pervasive in our lives. He lives a unique life for a tech entrepreneur, splitting his time between a small hobby farm on Bowen Island, which for our friends who aren't in Vancouver is a 15-minute ferry boat ride away. It's a very sweet, special island near Vancouver. And your apartment in the heart of Brooklyn. Couldn't be more opposite ends of the spectrum. You spend your spare time engineering and building out your property, working on your orchard, hunting, taking long walks in the woods, and jumping in the ocean whenever possible. That is so much more than just a friend. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's very cool because we, I mean, I think we've connected and reconnected in so many different capacities. And once upon a time, you were living in Vancouver, and you were really, you know, the hustler of, of a digital agency is, is how I met you. And shortly thereafter, with your hair a little bit longer and a beard a little bit longer, you said, I bought a, a property on Bowen Island. And that's just not the kind of thing you hear a ton of entrepreneurs say that are, that are hustling in Vancouver. So I, I just, I want to acknowledge that for people, this man is living an exceptional life and is not bound by his postal code or a zip code. He's built a remarkable business working with companies and organizations that really make a, a dent. And I want to dive in. Are you ready, Steve? Yeah, for sure. Well, let's start with BrightWeb. Do you want to tell us a little bit about BrightWeb and most importantly, how you have built BrightWeb off of the distributed workforce that you have? Yeah, for sure. So I'd say when we started, we're BrightWeb's, I guess, going into our eighth year. When we started, we are a pretty traditional agency from a, or from a company from a structural standpoint. We had a small staff in one office in Vancouver. We started getting work in New York. And so we started flying a lot back and forth across the continent. And we suddenly, you know, realized that when we started having clients in many places, so it started making me think about what is distrib- distribution of people and, 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 and what does location actually mean to us as a company that's really delivering digital work or work that's based on ideas and strategy and thinking. And then we moved a few people to New York. And that's when I started, I guess, thinking both about the company structure as well as my personal, my lifestyle and what I wanted for myself and started thinking about, well, I want to start working from home. I think others do. I, I, I was, this was like four or five years ago and reading, uh, starting to read the early research on 
productivity and on you know how we were going to be organizing ourselves in the future of work when that was like an early buzz term and thinking about that. And so over the last few years, we, we started by moving our team more and more remote and, and really encouraging people to work from wherever they want, which is kind of neat because we have some people that work from home most days a week. We have other people like our market, a person who does marketing for us. She works. She did um, remote year, which is a different city every month of the year. So she was all over the world for the year. And we have people who go to Mexico for a few months or Europe or whatever. So people are everywhere these days. And then that was kind of our first step. So we, we moved away from a traditional office environment where we're now in co-work spaces in two cities. And then people are working wherever. And I work from Bowen Island most days of the week. And then in the last couple of years, we've taken that a step further to a fully distributed model, which means that a lot of our work is done by people who are not traditional employees. They are what we call the Bright Web Network, which are contractors that work with us. Um, and they're in 25 cities around the world. And it's been really interesting for us, you know, seeing this transition where a lot of the best people we really wanted to work with, especially in cities like New York, where things are a bit further ahead, they weren't looking for jobs. They were looking for partnerships like we have with them now where they have flexibility to do great projects, but also to do other things in their life. And that's been a really rewarding and challenging and interesting dynamic to be building over the last couple of years to the point now where I would say about 70, 60 to well, I think about 70% of our revenue is generated by people in our network rather than our full-time staff. So we're, we're moving more and more to this model, kind of a hub and spoke model where we have a core team and then a uh, you know, so does operations and sales, and then a distributed team who's delivering strategy, design, digital, all of it. It's so cool. I want to dig into both your people and yourself. Firstly, your people, how, the recruiter in me can't help but ask, how have you gone about finding those folks to your wheel? Yeah, so it's, it's been interesting because, okay, first off, one thing I like to tell people, because people ask me about my model all the time because they're intrigued about how to take their company to a more remote or to a more distributed model. And I, one thing I always mention is that if you currently, if you have a traditional team that is used to coming to the office and that's the conditions you sort of hired them on, like that's the agreement that you even, if, you know, made with them, moving to a suddenly to a fully remote model can actually be quite difficult for some people. They don't necessarily, they like to come to an office. And so we had to go through a period where, some of our folks just had to get used to it over time. Some folks still come to an office every day, even on our, we have one day of the week where it's like work from home Wednesdays. Even people can work from home five days a week if they want. We have this work from home Wednesdays and there's only one person like religiously who's in the office every day on every Wednesday. So it's kind of funny, but, but over time that's adapted. And now we really attract people who are excited about that opportunity for that flexibility. So people self-select once you get into that model. And then the distributed thing is wild. I mean, it's more of a marketing. We, we sort of see ourselves as a, as a marketplace where we have two sides of our market. We have our clients and we have our talent. And, our, and I think a lot of HR is moving that way anyway, but we think about it very much as like our social channels are definitely talent marketing channels and to really solidify who we are as a, from a values perspective, from a culture perspective. The fact that we have such a strong social impact component to who we are and what we do goes a long way. So people seek us out and find us because of the work we've done in the social sector or with need organizations around the, uh, around the continent. And so they, self, they find us. But the only thing we've really done proactively was we did a few months of marketing last summer and we actually, it went so well that we stopped it because we were like, oh, we can't actually process this many applicants <laughs> as a smaller company. You know, we were getting, we got up to a point where we were getting like 10 a day 
applying to be in our network. And as much as we had automated that process, I mean, it's, we are pretty careful about who we vet and how we let them into the network. And so it was, it was pretty funny to see how quickly it picked up. Cause I think this is a, a huge growing market. There's a lot of people working in this model and looking for companies that are not just hiring them as straight up contractors as cogs in the wheel kind of thing who are looking for something more than that. And I think we were, we're one of the early companies offering that. Amazing. Well, I mean, it's January, it's 2019. It's the time when people are evaluating and questioning, you know, how can I craft a life that works for me? How can I make decisions that are more aligned with my values, with a lifestyle, and still do meaningful work and purposeful work and and work with people who I'm inspired by? And I think what we know to be true at Team Corker is that it always starts with a leader. And yourself being that leader is a really big deal because often there's a distributed workforce, but the leader is not a part of those conversations. Mm -hmm. And you actually forge the path to say, I'm going to jump on a boat and go live on an island. And I hope everyone else does the same, whether it's a Caribbean island, a European island, or right off the coast of Vancouver. And so I really want to know about you. I want to know what inspired you to do that. How did you choose Bowen Island? And I also want to know how, how it has impacted your health, your, your happiness, your relationships, perhaps even your productivity. Right. All right. So where do I start with that one? Um, I'll start with is like when we, when we first were going remote, you're right. I, like, cause I've, I've now consulted with companies who indicate that they're interested in being more remote or more distributed or more flexible in the way that they organize people. And oftentimes you find if the, if the very top leadership doesn't understand how that can work and doesn't understand the benefits of that, then it's virtually impossible because it, everything cascades down in terms of the culture around that. So it was definitely, you know, I would say I was pulling my team out of their comfort zone as opposed to the other way around in terms of this. So I was definitely excited about it and going for it. And it really did. It's, I mean, I feel like it probably started, I don't know how many years ago when I first you know, read things like the four hour work week. And, and while that book was kind of a little over the top, I think the one key concept in there that I clung on to was when you're designing your business or you, when you're designing your career, you also have to think about your lifestyle design and what do you actually want? Like don't create a box for yourself that you don't want to be in. So for me, that was the early thinking. And, and in terms of the, the, the move to Bowen Island, it was an interesting time because actually um, we were planning to buy a place on Bowen Island renovate a little tiny suite on the island, like in the house, in the lower floor of the house, and then move to New York, move to New York full time, and then come back for the summers or come back to, to relax on Bowen Island. We moved there on July 1st, a couple of years ago, almost three years ago. And just being there for that summer completely changed our mindset around it and our perspective on it and made us realize that just it just reconnected us with lifestyle and with nature in a way that made New York feel almost impossible to live in compared to Bowen Island. So we still have a place there and we are, we're there five, you know, four to six times a year minimum. And that's fine for short doses, but our lifestyle is on Bowen Island. And for me, it, it just, it, it helped me reflect on a few things. One is that, yeah, like I think you kind of mentioned in the intro, I spent many years as your traditional grinder entrepreneur, right? Like I was, I used to work myself to the absolute bone and I thought I didn't need to sleep. And I, you know, I did all the things that entrepreneurs go through in their 20s. I thought I was invincible, I think. And through all of that, about four years ago, I was diagnosed actually with a kidney disease. And 
it, it's a type of kidney disease and it's an autoimmune disease. And most autoimmune diseases are caused by prolonged stress or, or chronic stress, or that's definitely a key reason why these diseases pop up. And so that was for me an interesting eye opener in thinking about, well, what has my lifestyle been? You know, while I thought I was really healthy, I was also putting so much stress on myself. Cause I think a lot of times you're really a type, you will, you might work out a ton, but actually maybe you're working out too much or like, or you're, you know, r- trying to start a business and running 10 K a day and you're, you know, and you're putting in all these things. So I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. You, you've never heard of this, right? <laughs> so, so th- there's kind of this, um, like I, I, we have this tool I put on, on the nature of work website, this idea of stress stacking and this idea that to really evaluate all the different aspects of your life and kind of think about what is your stress score and think about how much you are putting on yourself. And as someone who was always an A-type in every aspect of my life, even if that was fitness or whatever, or some crazy diet I thought I was on because it was the optimized way to live and eat, I was putting a lot of stress on myself. So being on Bowen Island, kind of long story long, it's been remarkable in how it's reconnected me with nature and with my natural rhythm and with just natural, um, the natural rhythm of daylight and, and darkness, you know, like getting out of the city from that perspective. I spent a lot of time walking in the woods and, and I've completely reformatted the way I approach work actually. So my workday looks completely different than I would have thought it was, would have looked, you know, even three years ago. It's completely changed. And I'm, what's interesting is that I'm far more balanced than I've ever been. I sleep nine hours a night in the winter right now. I'm sleeping nine, nine and a half hours, which I feel like my, my anxiety would have been over the top if I was trying to do that. Cause I used to wake up at seven in the morning going, Oh my God, I have so many things I want to do. I got to go right now. And, uh, even if I'd gone to bed at midnight, cause I was doing things till midnight. And that's mm-hmm. just a, a whole different mindset now, which is a far more natural rhythm. What's so interesting is that I'm far more productive now than I've ever been in my life. I think. Oh, it's so incredible. I, I just want to ask if you were to sort of boil it down, which feels unfair, but to the sort of two or three habits that you have now that you could, you know, rightfully say to your 20 year old self, I never thought would be current day, Steve, if one of them even is nine and a half hours of sleep, but what would be, I don't want to put that in your mouth. Just as I listened to you, I was like, Oh my word. Oh my word. What would be those three things big or small that have in the last couple of years on Bowen made the biggest dent on just simply how you live your life? Yeah. So from a, yeah, I guess it's all intertwined the work and life kind of piece for me. But one is having a really clear morning routine. So disconnected from technology for the first at least 30 minutes of my day and spending that time. I do some I do some yoga. I do some breathing. I do a short gratitude practice. You know, I might go outside for a walk. I also just kind of sit and make my coffee without going on the internet, you know, just doing basic things, but doing them in a grounded, mindful way. And I, and I end my morning routine every day by then just looking at my top priorities for the week and for the month and picking what I'm going to work on that day and what I'm going to achieve. And that has been profound. Like just doing that alone is a fairly profound difference in my life. Because again, I think a lot of times when you are so ambitious, it's easy to wake up feeling like you just got to start working. And you just dive into what is often the easiest and the most stress-inducing thing, which is your email or seeing what the internet has for you that day. So that's been a big shift. Uh, the second one that comes to mind, wow, there's a few lots, but I, okay, so picking three. I think the second thing is 
redefining what rest means in terms of productivity for myself. And, and uh, take me one second to unpack this. But I think for me, I used to feel like I got to be on my computer. I got to be typing something. I got to be working in the traditional sense. When you look over at somebody at a desk in a computer typing away, that's productive work. And I've really shed that concept and understand now that um, a lot of what I'm doing, especially if it involves any type of creativity or any type of when you're creating ideas or you're designing things or you're building any type of document that is intelligent, it takes creative energy and it takes creative space. So often what I'll do is these creative cycles where I'll look at the material, I'll download it into my, you know, I'll kind of think about it uh, and then I'll go for a walk for an hour and I'll just kind of let it percolate loosely in my mind in a way that I would never have had the patience to do before. Yeah. But I can come back from that hour. And even if I was sort of daydreaming and not really grinding away on it mentally, I can come back and I can sit down and I can distill my thinking so fast. And I'm often like, for instance, I'm doing a talk in January. It used to take me weeks to write the talk. And this time I went for two runs with a very specific process around it. At the beginning of the run, I read the material that I was going to think about. I had my notes from a previous talk. I, and then I went for a run and I just let it kind of riff in my brain. And then I came back with an audio recorder and recorded some variations of the talk. And by the second run, it was done. And I haven't edited it. Like I, it, it's so wild. So that's the second piece is just changing the way I think about productivity, which includes space throughout my days, which includes walks, which includes daydreaming, which includes breaks to just read a book for 20, 30 minutes, or do things that I would never have given myself the space or the patience to do before. And then the third, I mean, there's a lot, but I guess I would say the third is sleep. I'm even somebody who was trying to try to, have you heard of polyphasic sleep before? No. There was, you know, you know, these fads that these fads that come along, but there is this, and throughout history, the people have done, it's not a new thing, but people there's people who believe, you know, you can sleep every two hours for 20 minutes and then stay up 24 hours a day. Or, you know, like I felt like with the sleep thing, it's like you have to get over the fact that it's not about the quantity of time. It's about the quality of your time and the quality of your, your mental and cognitive capacity during your time. So that sleep is so key. Like when I sleep nine hours, then the hours that I'm awake are so much better. Yeah. And it's so funny. We have such a funny relationship with time these days. Oh. Totally, totally. Well, I love this. And I love, I, I mean, I'm undeniably a bit of a habit junkie and I really like consistency and I, I like doing things. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate hearing from leaders, hearing from other people, certainly hearing from entrepreneurs when you're the only one giving yourself permission to right. sleep for a few more hours and, and how you set up a morning and, you know, your relationship with technology and ideation and creativity is, is really inspiring. And I mean, I know January is a fun time to talk about this, but we could also be publishing this in June and it would be equally inspiring because I mm -hmm. think habits are great to form in January and they're much better if they're still kept by June. <laughs> so, and on that note, I mean, people get these ideas that we need, you know, they get motivated to do something, right? It's a hard way to change your life because motivation is very fleeting. It's emotional and habits to your point, like habits can take six months to form, especially big habits, especially Life changing habits. habits. Yeah. Like yeah. those take a minimum of six months. So yeah, yeah. It's about, yeah. it's really about a lot of discipline and, yeah. and habits. Yeah. Well, it's a perfect segue because I think your relationship with work is, um, dare I say the impetus or the inspiration behind your new company called the nature of work. 
Yes. And tell us about that. Where does it come from and what is it about? I've been fascinated with, you know, I've, I've been researching optimization in terms of, and I've always, you know, kind of been a life hacker and, and I love thinking about how to get better. But I'd say when I, is actually when I moved to Bowen Island and the first thing I did when I got there was we, I renovated this small building outside of my house on the property into my office. And it was like this dream office. It felt like for the first time, like it felt like I'm um, six. For me, that was a, a moment of success in my life where I have this home office that is all my own, that is, I could see the ocean, you know, it felt like a fantasy to me. And I sat down at that desk, which I had made from scratch, and it was just beautiful. And I couldn't focus. And um, I, that for the first couple of weeks when I sat in that office, I was, I realized, like, I wasn't focusing at all. And I actually had a panic attack. Um, and, and a couple panic attacks over a couple of days, because I you know, not extreme ones, but just to the point where I was like, I was, I was in a state of distress thinking I'm in this beautiful, serene environment. I've created this perfect place. Why can't I get to work? And I thought, you know, anyway, so it forced me to stop everything I was doing actually for a couple of days and just reflect and say, what's going on here? And I realized that my morning routine and my habits had fallen out of shape because we would moved and we were renovating and we we were renovating the house we lived in too. So life was a bit chaotic. And it realized, I realized like for all the beautiful ex, you know, external surroundings I had, like what was going on internally with my brain was not, I wasn't aligned. And it got me thinking and it got me researching and somebody, you know, it's always those opportune moments where I'm talking to somebody and they say, oh, have you read this book, Deep Work? And, and Deep Work is an excellent book that talks about a lot of what we talk about nature of work. And it got me thinking about this. And then it just sent me down a rabbit hole of researching uh, the neuroscience behind productivity and focus and attention and thinking really deeply about how we're engaging with technology in today's world, which I'd been thinking about for a while, but it really focused that, that thinking. Looking at all the research on creativity, and it just made me realize, wow, the way we work, the way we think about work today, it's like I mean, I, I joke about it, but it's like we're flat earthers. It's like we're, we're, we're unwilling to accept the science on how to be productive. And we just and want then, to keep being lemmings, doing the that's same right. thing. Like we just want to grind. Over a, a, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, so it's, there's like a few, there's lots of conditions, but you know, for one, we've got this hangover from the a manual working age or an industrial age where the amount of physical hours you worked on something it did impact the productivity. You know, like the more hours you spent sure. making widgets, the more widgets you could make but that is not actually true for the way the brain works, right? So there's that. And then there's like, we've been layering in technology into our organizations, into our personal lives. And like, it's completely fragmented the way we think and, and our ability to focus. And then when I realized there's like two decades of excellent research from all these fields, uh, like neuroscience, behavioral psychology, physiology, and we're just ignoring it. It just made me think, okay, this is bigger. You know, I wanted to solve this problem for myself. Then I started talking to people and I realized everyone's feeling this level of stress. People are feeling like, how do I be more productive? It just made me realize there was a real opportunity to help improve people's lives and increase what they can do in terms of their capacity, in terms of achieve their goals, all of those components. And lastly, it really just tied into Brightweb's work because we had this growing body of freelancers and, and we're seeing the you know, we're seeing people move more and more to this remote freelance work environment where their work habits are more and more up to them. And yeah, when, it, when there's so much onus on you to define how you work and you wake up in the environment you're going to work in, it's really easy 
for your habits to get even worse. So the first product we're launching is a 12-week program. It's really a lifestyle program and a habit-forming program. It's centered around work, but it starts with your morning. It goes through your technology use, how to, like how to think about productivity, how to think about creativity, how to think about your physiology, sleep, rest, and, and structure, and a whole bunch of things within that. And, and so I'm really excited about that. It's going to be an online program that people can do with a friend or with colleagues at their work. Because there's a lot of habit change involved, we really want people to do it with with a friend and that'll be launching sometime in the next uh, couple months. Uh, so we're hoping maybe by February, March, it's, it's live. Amazing. We'll make sure to link to that and celebrate when it's live. Um, uh, I want to dive into, I get sign up with a friend and who, who is this ideally meant for or who, who would be an ideal person or wh- where am I at in my life to think that I should sign up for this? Right. So I, I think this is for anyone who is working in the knowledge economy, which means, and, and a lot of people don't know what a knowledge worker is, but we're all knowledge workers. If you work in front of a computer, you're a knowledge worker. So but I think really like any entrepreneur, um, any freelancer, solopreneur, kind of small business owner, and honestly, anybody who is ambitious about building a great career and, and making impact and doing so in a way that is not to jeopardize your health and your well-being. Mm. And so so I think really for anybody in the 21st century of work where our brains are the most important tool we have, which is true for pretty much all of us, like it, it really is for knowledge workers and mm. uh, with a specific focus on freelancers, entrepreneurs, and people earlier in their career. Cool. It sounds like you've taken your distributed work model and now created a training tool for them and everyone else. That's it. That, that actually really is, that is it. We, we put in so much technology at BrightWeb to make the distributed model work. And then I realized, well, we have to help people understand how to use this technology safely and efficiently. Yeah, and get control over that. Because I think we've adjusted our rhythms to match machines as humans, as opposed to the other way around. We should be using mm. technology. We just need to be using technology more wisely, I think. Let's quote Steve on that. That's really great. I want to know if 25-year-old Steve would want to sign up for this program. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I think, I think yes. And I'm, I've been thinking about this, actually, in some ways, because I think there's content coming online about this topic. I think there's some great people talking about this. And a lot of times, people are coming at it from the perspective of, you need to just stop doing something. You need right. to stop. You need to stay off your phone, you need to get off social media, as opposed to talking about the fact that this is actually going to make you more productive, it's going to make you more creative, it's going to increase your capacity. Mm -hmm. So we really are looking at it from both the aspects of this is going to increase your wellness and and lower your stress in in your life and your work, but actually it's going to make you far more productive. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if 25-year-old Steve would believe that if I take breaks and I take better care of myself from a physical perspective and a mental perspective, I will have a greater output. I hope so. I wish this conversation was happening when I was 25. I would hope that 25-year-old Steve would be on top of it. 25-year-old Steve and people that are plus or minus 10 years and in a similar place to what you described earlier in this podcast will take a look at the nature of work. Because in some respects, I think that this is the type of work that can save your life. It can save your career from bombing. It can save your soul from 100%. feeling totally wrecked 
And the problem is that we are so immune to the conversation of I hit rock bottom. I was diagnosed with dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. And then I made a change. And it would be a really beautiful thing, especially right now at this time in our lives to be able to take responsibility and say, I don't want to feel exhausted every morning. That's not how I feel my best. And, and what are the habits that I can do differently? And uh, I really appreciate you sharing. I appreciate you sharing the story of having the courage to move to an island. And I think it's beautiful to say three years later, Vancouver's lucky that you're so close to home and we didn't lose you to New York <laughs> and that you still take time to, to run and be creative. And, you know, I can, I can speak that you have come to speak at one of our events and, and I know you'll jump on a plane to, to speak and do things. And yet home is where the boat takes you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, we are just about out of time, but every podcast at Team Corker wraps with one final question. And that is what is currently making your heart beat faster? Every week through the winter, I'm aiming to jump in the ocean oh and God. to kind of supercharge my immune system. So I'll go with that right now, just so I've said it so that I have to maintain that routine. Have you been uh, in? Yeah, we've been in, yeah, fairly regularly. I, so every week is a bit of a stretch, but yeah, very regularly. We're just ripping down to the ocean. My wife and I will jump in and squeal. Full a little. submersion? Oh, full submersion, yes. Oh, I, gosh. That is one thing that is, and in general, just being out in nature in the winter is one of my favorite things. So Incredible. Steve, thank you for your time. I'll make sure that in the show notes, people can reach out to you directly um, right. or reach out to BrightWeb and learn more about the nature of work. And we're cheering for you. Thank you for being an example of what's possible. Really. Awesome. Thanks so much, Steph. It's been a pleasure. Until next time.